3: Welcome back, our dear friends, to the Liberty Lounge with Tim Tyso, where we are discussing all things Liberty with a lounge vibe. It is so good to be back here in October. Um, thanks for joining us again. We hope you had a great summer. We're sort of into a new season here of broadcasting and episode planning. And last time I checked in with you, we did a great episode on Pierre Elliott Trudeau. We were very Canadian episode, and today we're bringing you some of our American sided uh media and we're gonna have a a great episode with the guys um but first i just wanted to clear a few things out um i discussed the sequel to that episode would be a response to andrew d bartolo's um episode on remaining in canada and mike and i promised that we would uh, do a response to that but we're going to re-record that episode and uh and bring that to you with all the guys um, as well, we had a great opportunity this week uh, with a couple of the guys, well, it was supposed to be, but it ended up just being Mike down in uh, Tennessee for a great conference, and we're going to bring you some of that um, today on the Liberty Lounge. And so I'm thankful you're here. It's it's good to be back with you, and uh, as I said, we're going to be developing this show with some new graphics, with some new uh, artwork, and a new uh, RSS feed, so... It's going to be fun, and I'm glad to have you with us. If you have not subscribed to the show, to the Liberty Coalition Canada channel, uh, go ahead and do that, and uh, check out our website for all the other shows and great stuff that's going on. Uh, But let's get right to it today. I want to bring you into the lounge as we dim the lights and think about a conservative media manifesto. Today, we would like to formally introduce you, our dear and loyal listener, to the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. You may have heard of it before, but it is located in the mysterious and northwesterly land of Moscow, Idaho, in the United States. The otherwise known FLF network is a paradigm-busting, media-disrupting force when it comes to the waves of information washing through everything from social media to its mainstream brother. FLF is the wax of choice for a growing number of conservative and Christian thinkers and doers who surf those waves. Current events, political analysis, and 24-7 news coverage is not everyone's idea of a sweet piece of pie. But the option to abstain seems to be quickly disappearing. We are awash in the narrative. You can't turn it off. Both in quantity and medium, the narrative has become culture's unifying confession. What was once found in small social clubs, family dynamics, religious devotion, and other forms of genuine human interest and contact, that is, a cohesive and shared vision and meaning for life, has migrated upwards and corporatized. Local and organic beliefs and interests among people used to form the axioms by which we processed and evaluated historic developments. Social norms not only girded up our moral assessment, but also helped us filter and triage events and information by relevance to the interests of the community. The social narrative used to exist on a human scale. Walking distance, shared geography and language, and other human factors used to limit what we know and what we were expected to care about. In other words, reactions or hot takes could be saved for the things that mattered to you where you lived. Those merciful limits have been shattered no more dramatically than in 2007 when Steve Jobs first unveiled the iPhone. The last tangible gap between man and his world had dissolved into a limitless scrolling search for meaning. Between the tech that opens the fire hydrant of hot takes into our front lawns and the fascist hand of the state firmly gripping in partnership the hand of massive media conglomerates, we are in desperate need of a manifesto for conservative life in media, entertainment, information tech, filmography, and other important platforms of influence here in the West. We need to think about the very concept of cultural influence and how to rescue it from nihilistic death cult worshippers and return it to the hands of noble men and women. And yes, I did say men, women, or both. We need more than a manifesto. We need practitioners who understand the demands and contours of the trade. The guys at the FLF network get this, and they've been at the party setting up chairs and filling the punch bowl long before many Canadians and Americans knew that we needed to be there. This year's conference centers on propaganda, the serrated edge, storytelling, and media lies. But it's not just a rage brigade speakers who line up to complain about media bias and media lies uh, but they are workers producers researchers thinkers and doers and as the liberty coalition canada grows we are thankful for our partnership with the fight laugh feast network as we begin to stem the tide of the evil monsoon of media and replace it with the refreshment of truth And beauty, and to discuss conservative media, Matthew Halleck. I see you peeking in. I am joined by the usual suspects: Matthew Halleck, Michael Teason, and Andrew D. Bartolo, from around the globe today. Uh, And it's good to have you guys back on the show, back to our regular (laughs) format. Thank you guys for joining us. Quick word: How's everybody doing?
2: Great man, great.
4: Ready? He's
3: just so ready. He's (laughs) He's
4: just
2: peeking. I was, trying, see it. I was trying to cue everybody up and I kept hitting the wrong button. <laughs> so Matt, so this, that shows my limits of you. producer ability. So This lo-
3: this episode's for you, Matt. We had a great conversation. <laughs> we got to know each other because you are passionate about conservative media. D Bartolo, um, you're, you're a very skilled uh, cultural analyst. Michael Thiessen, uh, you are a go-getter and a doer and you've made some amazing connections. Uh, Mike, I want to start with you. You're at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference. Tell us a little bit about the theme and tell us about the Liberty Coalition's uh, partnership with the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network as we get into it here.
4: Yeah, guys, it's great to be down here in te- Knoxville, Tennessee. And um, I'm uh, standing in, in uh, a few of our, our friendship booths. Uh, we're standing at the Ezra Institute booth and the Ark Encounter is behind me, two other presuppositional organizations. And off in the distance, uh, there's about uh, 1,100 people. Uh, listening to a lecture on media right now so uh, it's great to be down here and Tim the way that you uh, set this conversation up is that you know when we started Liberty Coalition Canada we started three different arms we started the arm that was legal advocacy and that that was actually the third thing we did after James came to us and said hey I want to work on cases against regulatory bodies and and you know cases like the Western case that we're talking about what we started off right at the very beginning is, Tim, you and I having a passion for saying, look, we need to analyze the news. Like, We need to sit and talk people through what's actually going on versus just what's being shown out there. And then, of course, we got involved with advocacy. So the Fight the Feast Network is a number of Americans who share that vision. And the, the thing that's exciting about it is that it, it's simply Christians... Uh, with an integrated worldview. And, and James and I talked about this on a recent podcast. I think it's going to be aired this weekend of mine, right after this one. It's just, it's just saying what needs to be said. You know, a biblical worldview, talking about real legal issues, talking about real political issues, talking about real news issues, and and with, without all the bait and switch, with, without all the, you know, oh, I, I, I use the, language that Christians assume is Christianese and they can they, they can kind of read into what I said and somewhere in the distance, uh, uh, you know, in the same way as reading into the Constitutions, it, it, somewhere off in the human language is something Christian. And, and we're just trying not do that anymore. Let's clearly, let our yes be yes or no be no, as the Lord says, and the FLF network is doing that. They started in the U S of course, we are on the Canadian network side of things and it's exciting to be a part of it. I'm happy to be down here in Tennessee. My job in the dispatch here uh, or in the lounge here, uh, guys is I'm just going to go off once in a while and grab. Yeah, I know that's a... I dropped dispatch. I, I gave a, I gave, I, I gave a plug out to the dispatch. I'm going to go and find some of the um, FLF uh, owners and, and bring them over to, to the booth and just uh, bring them on the show. So great to be here guys. Glad to be a part of, of this really growing media movement.
3: That'll That'll be some fun. Matt, I want to go to you next. Um, and the reason is because as Mike is in the US right now, uh, one thing our listeners may or may not fully grasp is that the whole idea of like right wing media or conservative media was sort of spawned in the US. With, with Rush Limbaugh, basically, the, the sort of the godfather of right-wing media per se. He's what popularized the very idea of a specifically conservative media. And so it's a, it's an American phenomenon, and he's really paved the way for guys like Steve Dace, who was just on Mike's show the other day, um, just a wonderful uh, a broadca- Christian broadcaster, of course, Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles. Um, all of these sort of right-wing media, it, it, it really, Rush Limbaugh paved that, Path. And as Canadians who are participating, sort of, in the jet stream of of Rush Limbaugh and and all the the greats who sort of went after him and have sort of been building up this movement, as you say, Mike, and I would say FLF Network falls into that. One of the things as Canadians that we have to fight is this really effective pejorative when sort of mainstream people up here will say, well, there's a rise in American style politics or American style media. And, and that's a really effective pejorative. And, the, and, and Canadians are embarrassed to associate themselves with anything that would, uh, that would come across as an American flavor. And so as conservatives in Canada, and I'm going to go Matt and then Andrew, you guys can go one, two on this. What do you guys say to the fact that we're already battling sort of a cultural taboo by engaging in something that is sort of explicitly American and why is it important for Canadians to actually fight through that taboo, as we're trying to help build this movement? Matt, then Andrew, go right on on uh, on Matt's heels there. But what? Do you, how do you guys respond to that?
2: Yeah, I think I think what you touch on is is a challenge for conservative media in Canada, just because of the the Canadian perception and the Canadian zeitgeist and our psyche. And Tim, we talked at length about. Um, the necessity for us as conservative Christians to break through the Overton window, to not just shift it, but literally break through it, because it's so far to the left um, in Canada that if we were a plane, we'd have two left wings. And that's the reality of the situation um, that we're facing. So as, as Christians, we just have to speak the truth. And we we speak the truth in love as we find it in Scripture, and we speak that in all areas of life. Christ is the King of Kings, Lord of Lord, and His Word is the is what should dictate every sphere of life that we're engaged in, including the media. And the fact of the matter is, th- we're so left wing in Canada because we have not had. A voice in the media consistently crying out um, and prophetically speaking all, from a conservative Christian perspective. And that's why we find ourselves in the moment that we find ourselves in as Christians in Canada. Because we haven't had the Rush Limbaughs, the the Daily Wires, the the Blaze Television, uh, the Fight Laugh Feast, because we we've been sleeping on that. Essentially we have just hundreds of state funded broadcasters in Canada now who are definitely left leaning in their outlook. And they in they live in such an echo chamber that they don't even know that they're left leaning. Right. And that that's the serious issue that we're facing. So as we spoke on the program, every, there is no neutrality. Everybody has a worldview. Everybody comes to media from a distinct worldview. And we want to bring our worldview to bear on issues in our culture and on creating good conservative media. So because there's no neutrality, it, we, it's, it's a battle between different perspectives, different ideas in the media that we have to be aware of. And we have to own our biases. We have to say, this is the perspective we're coming at. All media is biased in the sense that it's coming from a worldview. They're dictating what stories they're telling, what they're not, what they want to highlight, what tone they want to bring things at. Um, And that's just the reality of the situation. And I think why things like The Blaze and Daily Wire and a bunch of these programs have better viewership across the internet is because they own their biases. So we want to do the same. We want to lean into that. We want to lean into those pejoratives like we we call ourselves Protestants and Puritans and we would we would, uh, you know, be happy to proclaim those titles but we have to understand that historically those are pejoratives laid at their feet too so i think we need to lean into them own our biases be honest where we're coming from and that's going to in a deceptive media climate like canada stand out uh, above all else so that's kind of what we try and do and we we don't try and hide the ball and anybody who's listened to any of our programs will know that for sure so that's kind of my my thinking when it pertains to why we need conservative media and how how we go about things I
3: appreciate that Matt Andrew what are your thoughts on uh, on following in that jet stream and, and building up a conservative media and obviously you've given a lot of your uh, schedule to it you're a busy pastor and uh, you've you've thrown yourself into conservative media so so where is it at from your perspective and where are we going to move it and, and how do your efforts fit into
1: that I, I agree with Matt that we need to simply own it. And I would respond with questions like, and so what? So they're going to say something like, oh, you you're the way you're doing media. It seems like that's just an American. That's, that's just an American kind of flavor. And so what? At your point, they're doing it better. So we want to be more like that. Do we want to have an entire media apparatus that is completely funded by our, federal government and that's it or do we actually want to have diversity of opinion in the media because that's what they have and we don't have that and so i i don't think we need to shy away from the things they label us with i think we need to flip the question around and say yeah that's actually better right mike before has mentioned the idea of being called in the negative sense a christian nationalist oh you're a christian nationalist right I want my nation to be built on Christian principles. And what would you rather? Would you rather principles where people who break the law have their hands cut off or where people who live a certain lifestyle are thrown off of rooftops like that? I think we need to, to press in and say, yeah, that's we actually do want more of that here. We do want more of a diverse opinion. We do want actual kind of freedoms and not just state funded propaganda we do want to actually have particular worldviews that are advanced. And we actually do want to establish a kind of solid Canadian conservative culture, not just a sea of competing multicultures that don't actually create any kind of cohesive Canadian identity or that don't actually further any good in Canada. So if, if we want to see a truly Conservative arm of the media, then we need to first do it, but we also need to not shy away like they're they're calling us icky words. No, oh, no, 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 no. I don't mean that. No, 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 I do mean that. That's exactly what I mean. You mean you? What well, you? You fundamentalist? Oh, if by that you mean do I take the Bible literally? Yes, I'm a fundamentalist. <laughs> right. So don't. I don't think we should say. Oh, I don't want. No, no, no. I touch and go no, don't say that to me. I got to worry about my witness and be Winston. No, 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 no. I'll press right in and say, yeah, that's if by that you mean this, then sure. That's exactly what we want. Um, because as we've said, the idea of being neutral or palatable is impossible. There's no way we're just going to be pleasing to a broad audience. We need to be truthful and then deal with the consequences.
3: Uh, Andrew, I appreciate that. Uh, a couple of notes that you uh, kind of triggered in my mind there. Number one, uh, we talk about diversity of opinion. We talk a lot in Canada about diversity, and we like to uh, parade <laughs> ourselves around as the model of diversity. And it's amazing that you, you will find Canada a very diverse and tolerant place unless you find yourself anywhere to the right of Andrew shear Okay? <laughs> so –
1: there, I would say so, more like to the right of Stalin. I think to the right of Stalin. Yeah, it's it can, so at no this way. point, you're you're alt-right. If you're the right of Stalin, you're alt-right. I don't know. I <laughs>
4: think Andrew Shearer was a good one. It was just like so random. I love it.
3: But that's what I mean. So he he was he was tolerable, but man, were people suspicious of the fact that he might possibly just maybe support Protecting the unborn, somewhere deep down in his dark soul, even uh, though he wasn't going to
2: do anything right, about
4: it. No. No. Right <laughs> to
3: Andrew's point, Shearer was the one who did that. He a
4: that go then to be said a little bit of pressure specific about the homosexual uh, homosexual issue, uh, like just going to a church that preached biblical sermons on it, and, and then he fully totally backed off. So he that's what. Do they say what needs to be said in a while, and then the second there's a little bit of heat, they back off. And so that's so, I'm yeah. so glad that you're tying that together.
1: They they engage in sure. they engage in an, an onslaught of qualifications. That's what they yeah. do. They, they yeah. the conservatives think we have to just qualify everything to death in order to not offend or upset anyone. Exactly. No, no, they don't so, be, be like Doug so, Wilson in no court in November, no second paragraph. <laughs> So, right, Andrew no and,
3: and Mike, I want to tie those together because that's exactly it. The, the onslaught of qualifications um, and, the, and the backing off as opposed to what you know our, our motto on this show or Mike's show, as I've been living uh, in close proximity to Mike in the last couple of years, is just a double down, triple down. Uh, and, and we have not learned that art as a conservative wing yet because and, and I was talking about diversity. Canada allows for a conservative government. There's, there's no inherent ban on conservatism, but they will define the conservatism that is tolerable. So there's a box <clears throat> that's that what we call the Overton window that they will draw for you and they will say your conservative values are fine, but you have to limit them to inside of this box. And there's a whole pile of conservative principles and policy and discussion points that lie outside of that box, but we're not allowed to talk about them. If you talk about an alternative money stream like cryptocurrency, you are an absolute kook like uh, uh, Pierre Polyev. If, if, you, if you dare suggest that you know, the family should be a sacrosanct, I mean, you look at clips of Barack Obama from 12 years ago, and he would, he would be considered far right today. This is how fast things go. And so what conservatives, what I found, the, the problem is that we will exist as conservatives but on the leash that the left give us. Will only mm-hmm. go as far as they let us go, and that's what you find with Andrew Scheer or other guys who have represented the so-called right-wing uh, movement. They they'll go as far as they feel their principles will take them, and they'll feel the leash tug, and mm-hmm. they will and they'll bow to their master. And so that mm-hmm. is that's what we're fighting. That's what we're dealing with. It's not culturally acceptable to be truly conservative. And now mm-hmm. we're not just talking about politics today, guys. We are talking about media. And so, well, um, well,
2: Tim, Tim. Before you move on, I just sure. want to piggyback on there, I, and just real quick, that mm-hmm. is the serious issue with conservatism in Canada: is we want to be liked and comfortable more than we want to actually stand on principle and and have courage of conviction. And the the fact, like, we have to understand that there is a goodly number of people in this country who. If you are conservative at all, you are uh, considered a fascist, Nazi, homophobe, like all the pejoratives that you could think of. So... Why are we trying to appeal to those people? There's actually a good number of people who, if we can stand on courage of conviction, stand on principle, lean in to that nonsense, and stand up for just, right, the left's going to push too far. They're already doing it with uh, sex ed curriculum, soji laws, all these things that normal Canadian citizens don't lay. Like, and if we just stand on courage of conviction then we're going to be okay. But that's, again, the, the difficulty because we don't want to be polarized in Canada. We don't. We want to be seen as reasonable people by people who are the most ideological, unreasonable people in the history of humanity. And that's, that's a serious issue.
3: So there's, that's just it. You said we, we are catering to people who have proved themselves unreasonable and intolerant. But you know what? It's not just uh, the media that we are trying to build, but we are talking about a holistic conservative movement. And we have partners at the Liberty Coalition um, that we are very thankful um, to be in partnership with. And one of those people I want to thank and uh, who have sponsored this show is Resistance Coffee. Uh, are you tired of having leftism rammed down your throat everywhere you turn? That's a rhetorical question. We know the answer. Are you frustrated by businesses that support giving money to leftist causes? Uh, that happened in spades in the last two years. Then why are you, an a, uh, a intense coffee drinker like me, buying coffee from companies that hate you and your freedoms? Resistance coffee is here for you. You can enjoy the wonderful taste of fresh roasted coffee, and enjoy the knowledge that your money is not being used to fund the left and their causes that you despise. In fact, and it gets better, Resistance Coffee does give 10% of every purchase to organizations and causes that are fighting for the constitutional freedoms and liberties of Canadians. Resistance Coffee roasts specially grade coffee beans, which means you're getting really high-end coffee, and it's fresh, and it's roasted just for you. So you can be done with stale grocery store coffee, and you can also support Canadian freedoms while you're at it. So go to resistancecoffee.com LCC and join the resistance today with good coffee. Uh, we're talking about media. Mike, you're down at the Fight, Laugh, Feast conference, and you uh, are always with a finger on the pulse of media and bias. And I want to just get your take on, we've never apologized for being a Christian organization, and a lot of our listeners we know are not Christians, and we're very glad that they listen to the show. We love them. Um, Mike, walk us through what you would consider sort of a biblical mandate for, for Christians or conservatives to participate in media, and what should be some guiding sort of principles as we engage in what we're doing right now? which is just broadcasting ideas and opinions on what's going on in the world. Yeah, I think
4: the the biblical instruction, the biblical example, the, the, the biblical mandate for Christians to be involved in media, specifically in the idea of reporting events and then interpreting them, uh, comes from the basic concept of the pursuit of truth that we see with, you know, uh, we have, have, uh, two books of the Bible, first and second chronicles, that are literally talking about, you know, the word chronicle means a historical account of events arranged in order of time, usually without analysis or interpretation. And so within within scripture, we have two books of the Bible named the chronicler, you know, where, where newsrooms and, and newspapers used to be named that, because you're trying to put together the true accurate timeline of events and the, the the true accurate uh retelling of the substance of events so we see this with the gospels the gospels eye, eyewitness accounts like luke literally introduces Paul by saying you know I, I investigated all of these things and and he's writing to Theophilus saying, I wrote that you might know that these things happened. I investigated and, and these, these things happened. Uh, see, within then in the book of Proverbs, and I, I brought this up a number of times, you know, uh, in my with Bodhi Bauckham, he mentioned this. He also mentions this in his book, in uh, his book, Fault Lines. I, I just love the fact that he brought this to my attention. Proverbs 18, 17 The first to present his case seems right till another court and questions him. So the idea of media being able to question government officials or uh, company leaders or uh, the mom who's uh, who's telling her story. um, You have media there. This is where the freedom of the press comes in. And then you also just have prudence where uh, you go to court and someone tells a story. And it, it needs to be cross-examined to find the truth. And so what's happened within media, and this is why we, where we talk about worldviews, when we're talking about having an integrated Christian worldview, and when, when Andrew's talking about owning the titles that they give us, like when they say you're a Christian nationalist, I don't want to own the title by their definition, but I'm going to need to redefine what they mean. Mean by that, according to what I actually am, I, I want I want countries to have national sovereignty. I think that they have their own political needs, and therefore, ought to ought to resist this, you know, one government globalist faraway philosophy. You know, um, uh, I'm a Christian in the sense that, and, and Tim, you you know, I was everyone was you know, while Matthew was talking, and sometimes you guys kept me up while you were supposed to go to a screen so I could do things while you, and hide. But I, I was looking at my phone because, Tim, I was trying to find your Twitter feed because, you know, this morning someone said, uh, you know, made a comment, you know, I, I don't want, you know, Christian nationalism in America. Um, I just want people to love Jesus. And you came on and said something to the uh, to the point of, oh, so we trust Jesus and what he says and, and we, tr- we follow this, this good king. But, but applying that in our society would, would, would not be useful um, so, so what we're trying to do is what, and what scripture mandates Christians to do in media is dig for the truth. And then just one last comment, where the interpretation comes in is in all of the prophetic literature, all of the prophetic literature, where the prophets would come along and say, Hey, you know, the historical. If God says,
3: hmm.
4: now you need to go on and do this. And we see that extended into the new covenant, into the role of the church, where where you see uh, the epistles interpreting the times. You see the book of Revelation uh, prophesying about uh, about the times and, and specifically saying this is what's happening and 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 this and and this is what christian this is how the the church needs to respond so combination of digging presenting for truth and cross-examination in the legal system and in the media paired with the prophetic role of the church to prophesy to the nations the goodness of god the goodness of the law of god and the for the repentance of sins and the salvation for all the nations that is where we get our mandate to be involved in 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 media,
3: Mike, that is uh, there's so much in there that I love that you just said. and I would summarize it this way that Christianity itself is a reporting religion. Mm-hmm. we are we are actually reporters. You look at a couple examples. The good news yeah. is framed as news. It's a herald. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you, you mentioned Chronicles. We have whole books in the, in the Bible that are specifically there as witness, testimony, and, and record keeping. Uh, you also have the apostles who are called sent ones to publish. Okay. The, the, the Bible is the greatest selling book of all time. Um, it was a Christian who invented the printing press. Okay. And, 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 and gave sort of a, a gasoline jolt to the Reformation um in the 16th century so we are a reporting religion that is the very nature of what we do and as you've mentioned um people in the scriptures who have who have written and said i wrote this specifically so that you would know uh, paul says there's an eyewitness account of 500 people who who are uh, who are witness to the resurrection of christ and i want to talk about fake news for a minute you look when jesus rose from the dead and there was a story that began to circulate that the apostles came and stole the body. So they spun a fake public narrative in order to try to discourage people from following Christ by saying, well, he didn't rise. His body was stolen. Okay, it's a plausible alternative. Was but it basically was the first the- incorporation of MSNAC or, or? It was CBC, actually. <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, that was um, uh, Pia Chattapatta, I think. But... Um, <laughs> So 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 what what did the Christians have to do? They had to counter a false narrative in that first century and say mm-hmm. no 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 we were there we saw an empty we were the first ones there. In fact, there were women who showed up um, and said uh, you know we, we saw an empty tomb. Mm-hmm. We didn't take the body. We couldn't have moved the stone. We're not strong enough. So mm-hmm. so there are facts associated with our faith that must be historically relevant. You no, know, otherwise. Otherwise, we subscribe to a fantasy. So, And on
2: that, Christ is the mediator. That's the same root word, right? He is the one in whom God relates to man through. So, again, just on that point, uh, Christians have always been people of the book. A book is a medium. That's how God relates to human beings through his word he mediates his truth through the incarnate truth the lord jesus christ and his inscripturated words so all of these things are so very important for us to understand and why us especially should be people engaged in media because we have a great mediator and we have a medium in which god has used to speak to us in his Word. so that should highlight for us that it's super important. And also, just one point: historians have long suggested a, a, a unique distinction of, of the the God's peculiar people, right? His Old Testament people. We think of the nation of Israel something that has integrated them and allowed them to survive over years and years and years, no matter of their historical or cultural circumstances, is the fact that they were people of the book, that they had a medium, that they were people who were recording history. They always had an identity, right? God, at every epic in covenant history, he's saying, hey, remember who you are. Relay this story to your, your kin and your offspring so you don't forget what's happening so you can look at life not in this reflexive cycle of dealing with oh shoot uh what happened to me today but you can remember the patriarchs you can remember the promises of god that is how god relates to us and that's how as christians trying to be the mirror image of that, mirroring what God has done. We need to be engaged in these activities. So that's what I would say. Andrew, okay, do you have boys, any so thoughts? I'm
4: going go, go to go find some people, guys. And I just want to say Matt was so, again, biting at. like he, he had that mediator. First of all, brilliant point. But you had that so <laughs> cued up in your mind. I wish you had done the whole in my screen thing a little yeah. bit you were so ready for that uh yeah this is profound this is really good and i bet you andrew's gonna add to it but i'm gonna go find some folks from the flf network and bring them on great
2: okay. that'd be great thanks mike we'll, we'll duck you out then
1: yeah andrew mike take away mike, there. mike, mike basically in. said andrew i know you have something good to say but i don't care i have to leave so mike thank you <laughs> for that so now that now that mike is gone um let's talk about him. Uh, <laughs> I I would say that, and this is something that, this has been said before, this is something that I think that those of us who would say that we're, you know, conservative, small C, that we've finally caught wind of, that those on the left, and by the left, I mean, you know, everyone who is not a small C conservative, is they excel at narrative and storytelling, and we excel at facts and statistics, and so, you know, Kim, so when you talk about the facts of our faith, which, yes, we have the facts of our faith, but the facts of our faith have been delivered in narrative. Yep. Even the letters of Paul, which are prose and didactic teaching, are still very much couched in narrative. They are flavored mm-hmm. with his thoughts, his feelings, his desires, what angers him, what brings him joy, what he's thankful for, him merely outlining the facts of the faith lead him into expressions of worship for who God is and what he has done. And so we need to be careful. And I think we need to do a better job and we're hopefully doing a better job of couching the facts of our faith or the reality of facts and statistical evidence in the world within narrative. So an example mm, of that would absolutely. be when, when we're dealing with issues of abortion, It is not helpful for us to say, merely by way of fact, that at the moment of fertilization, the embryo, blah, blah, okay, fine. That is, at the moment of conception, that is a precious, unique, beautiful human life that needs to be protected, right? John John Calvin actually had a really great quote about abortion when he would say, that if it's more evil to murder a man in his home as opposed to out in the field where his home is supposed to be his place of safety and security and comfort then how much more evil the taking of an innocent life inside the comfort of its mother's womb which is supposed to be again its home and place of safety and John Calvin is using imagery he's helping us understand yeah that in your, when you're in your home your home you're safe this is where you're relaxed mm-hmm. your guard is down so how much more evil to murder a man there and how much how much more wicked the snuffing out of a precious innocent life inside of its mother's womb, growing and dependent and needy entirely upon the mother, that communicates the same fact of our faith that it is a distinct biological human life with its own DNA and its own blood type. That, that's all true. We need to do a better job of that. So when we're when we're hmm. pushing back and we're engaging in the culture war, When we're talking about a man with massive plastic boobs in an Oakville shop class, we can't (laughs) merely rely on here the statistics of mental illness and transgenderism. Mm, What we need to say, like all those moms were saying when they were being interviewed by True North News, was this makes my children feel unsafe. Mm -hmm. This makes my children feel not at ease, but this fills them with anxiety. This makes it so they don't want to be here. It's the same thing, right? The fact of what he's doing has an effect, his, and the effect it has on. But telling that story, couching fact and narrative, that's how God has revealed the truth to us, and that's how we can be and should be more effective in building a conservative media, which helps to build a conservative mm-hmm. culture.
3: That's a great. And then- that's a great illustration, Andrew. Um- and that brought to mind some some other examples. And when I think back to the, the COVID, think back to Lord willing, it is a <laughs> uh, it is a something in the past. But I think back to the COVID. Not for
1: me, it's not because I couldn't get into Kentucky. So apparently, COVID uh, is still alive and well.
3: Come on, USA! Can not you catch up to Canada's uh, you know easy restrictions? Like we're following the science up here. Um, <laughs> but 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 who would ever I think have back said
1: hashtag the- be more like Trudeau? I don't know. <laughs> yeah.
3: So um, when I think back to the lockdown era, and the we 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 fought that on our show on Dispatch um, tirelessly. Most of our episodes um, sort of became swallowed up in combating the COVID narrative, and you know we we did what you're talking about, Andrew. We went and took studies. There's a Simon Fraser study on cost benefit analysis of. Um, of, of lockdowns. And we found that cost-benefit analysis, there, it was not worth doing. And what we found as we moved along was that the, the facts and figures were not persuasive. They, they didn't cause people to resist lockdowns and to stand up for their freedoms. And what we ended up having to do was just tell the story of humanity, how humanity itself was being crushed in intangible ways that you couldn't find in a cost-benefit analysis. And so that's how we kind of pivoted our strategy as we moved on in dispatch fighting against the tyranny was to stop saying the facts are going to persuade Mm -hmm. people because they didn't. All right. The (laughs) the mainstream media, they had a narrative that this was about saving lives and this was about protecting Mm -hmm. grandma. And this was about doing your part and having each other's back and all those cliches. Those are actually really effective. Mm -hmm. Um, And so our mainstream media news that, but as we're sitting here, uh, Mike has um, David Shannon, chocolate Knox, and he's going to, he's going to come in. Uh, David, it's good to have you. Thanks for uh, popping into the show. And um, you're, you're one of the kingpins behind Fight, Laugh, Feast and, and Canon Press. Tell us about your work in conservative media. Why, as a Christian, you're at the forefront of it. And just tell us a little bit about the theme of the conference and why you guys chose to do that to disciple people in engaging uh, the public media world. Why is that theme to you so effective? Um, and thanks for being on. Yeah. Um, oh, They're okay. just going to push me
0: right? I mean, this, okay, all right. Let me. Uh, well, but thank you for that we're at the forefront of that. Uh, but you know what? One of the things I think people forget is um, how to shape a cosmology. Like, what forget that. We forget that everything that we do and how we operate this, we that. And most people, when they talk about media and they talk – there's a lot of great people out there in media, and I'm grateful for what they do. But when they talk about media, they're talking usually about – ones and zeros and they're talking about we got to get the facts out there, we got to get um, positions so people can have a position, a solid position on stuff. I want to get to the backside of that. I want to get to the area where people are saying, how is the world made? How is the world supposed to function? How do I live in that world? So part of what we're trying to do uh, at the Fight Life Peace Network and even with the conference is to get behind the presuppositions. A lot of times Christians are operating inside of the cosmology that the secularists have given us. Right. So then, even when we mm-hmm. apply our outreach team or even our evangelism, we think the context they've given us to work with inside of the world that exists that they've made. And we got to stop for a second. We got to stop and take a step back and say, wait a second, how has God really made the world to work? How do we approach that world then, the way they told us to, and then fight with the enemy and give Christians a, a broader understanding of how God has uh, designed the world to work? I'll give you an example of that. Um, Right now, there is really big... Oh, am I too far away? My bad. Um, Right now, Christians are really... uh, We're we're moving from this left fascism to right fascism. And instead of saying, wait a second, fascism doesn't work. (laughs) Right? So (laughs) why don't we... And this is just talking about our business. Why don't we make this great product? Because bad products that are made by socialists are going to fall apart and not work. Everybody's going to be looking for a car that we can just drive. Right. So why don't we make because of our cosmology, because of the way we made the God God made the world, we know that liberalism, fascism, and every sort of like even ESG and the whole uh globalist idea is going to fall apart because of the way that God made the world. And when you cosmology start saying, I need to make the things that are gonna be there, that are gonna be long term. They're going to be a blessing to people because I know all that stuff is going to fall apart and die. And so, part of what we want to do, in what we want to do, in with the Fight Lefties Network, and is help build the cosmology so people can say, "Oh, wait a second, God made the world the same way. Stupidity is not sustainable." <laughs> <laughs> and we got to tell it's people not that. a lear- long-term
2: solution. That. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not a long-term Art
0: solution. It's which... stupidity is going to fall apart. Um, and I will remember that and communicate that to people and say, how do we then tell stories, um, use media as a way of getting past people's watchful dragons and not just be Leos oriented, right? We do need that thing. But ultimately storytelling and a biblical cosmology gets around people's watchful dragons. That makes say, no, I want to get around that. We want to have media. Companies, groups, network and all facets of of the world, um, so that we can uh, build a Christian worldview in the minds of Christians first.
3: Chocolate, Art, can you can you tell me?
0: I just,
4: oh, our, Mike, Mike, go ahead. That's our new motto. Stupidity always falls apart.
0: I think I stole that from Doug. <laughs> Chocolate, <laughs> Chocolate, Chocolate can you I, I don't know who Doug Wilson is. I don't recognize <laughs> that name at all. I think Chocolate Knox is. That's right. I apologize all day. I, 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 Chocolate, I it.
3: Chocolate, can you tell me you're you've done some great documentary work, you're a filmographer. Tell us about what's your next project. Like, what do you have on the horizon that you're doing? to to embody some of these principles in terms of your personal media
0: work what are you working on right now what what are you hopeful for uh well what i'm working on is trying to get christians to understand how important it is to labor with something for 20 or 30 years uh without getting a profitable return until then and how important it is to do that so that you have a return in the culture so um here's something to think about for a second um you guys have there in canada TV shows, but I can tell you here in the mayor shows, if you think about even Republican and conservative TV shows, um, what have been successful in the last 20 years? I can think of two last man standing and 24 have been Republican conservative ideas in the daily uh, media sitcom ever. I can't think of hardly anything else over the last 20, 25 years.
4: I would have maybe said everybody loves Raymond without.
0: Calling like it conservative, I were yeah. It, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know,
4: it was. Like, it, it, there was irony in it, the typical irony that's in a family, but yeah. it was
0: family. But other than that, you know, yeah. I can't. Yeah, I'm, I'm just absolutely. You're telling
4: me Nine, Nine O Two Point O, was it? It was a. It, it, well, it, that was not Colick's favorite show.
1: We need to have talk. No. Duck, yeah. Duck, yeah.
4: Duck, Duck, Duck Dynasty. How about Duck
1: Dynasty? So, Duck, Duck, dynasty?
4: About
0: Duck Dynasty. Duck
4: Dynasty. Yeah. Oh, Duck Dynasty. There
0: you go. Okay. There we go. I'll take Duck Dynasty. and yeah. I'll take you that. I'll give you that. Three. <laughs> Three. We are working in ones and zeros, and we're not after the imagination of people. So this is what I'm trying to do. I want to make a show or show sitcoms that, oh, I'll tell you what we're working on right now. I want to make sitcoms. First of all, Christians that see the of investing in something for 20 years might not look like it's profitable, but it's, look, the left, Twitter doesn't make any money. Do you understand me? They don't make any money and they control the culture. Why do people, why does, why does Elon Musk, who is a pagan, say, I want Twitter for $44 billion because he knows he's working with the imaginations of people in order to be able to push a narrative that, that might not be profitable on Twitter but has a massive profit margin in the culture. Christians don't invest mm. in that. When we talk about business, yeah. we'll say, well, what, what's the profit margin? I said, what is the profit margin in the culture? What kind of influence does that give us in the culture? So I wanna get behind uh, the, the the worldview, the watchful dragons and create TV shows that that are like the Cosby Shutter, like Fresh Prince of Air, that push the Overton window in the conversation culture that might not be necessarily on the front of it, uh, the logical argumentation that we have in evangelicalism. So there's a show that we're working on with Laura right now. It's called PKs, Preachers' Kids, Pastors' Kids. And what we wanted to do with that was we wanted to mess with everybody's categories and make one very clear statement that water is thicker than blood. Baptism is thicker than family relation. If you're baptized, we are bonded closer than anything else. So the show has a black dad and a Hispanic mom. There's black kids there, and this this mixed family has adopted white kids. And so the two of the younger kids, they think that they're twins. And they don't notice the relationship of. They don't notice that their colors are different. kid and a white kid, and they think they're twins. It messes everybody up uh, because these kids really believe that the reality of them being covered together in adoption is stronger than whatever melanin is between them and we want to mess with everybody's categories because we don't we know that kids imagination is like oh that's sweet i oh, wish the world was like that oh well do you really well let's press into that let's tell stories that play with that and make people have to work through the stories i mean um desensitize jam and convert was the move of the homosexual movement they knew how to jam us to move the old Is because they know how we first, and we, don't, we don't tell stories that say that that communicate um, let me sit down my logic for a minute and say emotionally this is actually a really good point I haven't thought of, I'm moved by this yeah. and because I'm moved by this there's something about it that's beautiful and it's true now I have to deal with the logic of it right
4: you know, what I like about that and um, what I think is really important about that is that you just two things making products yeah that, that that people actually want to drive. Like going into a, I I have so many stores and restaurants I don't even want to go into anymore because I know what they support. We talk about that whenever we do our ad reads. And then and then making uh, making shows that that are winsome, not in the way that everybody else is, where there's controversy and they don't, they're not solid and, and they and they're not consistent, but. It, in, in the way that it evokes emotion and thought in the different categories, it's and it, it, those are the two, two of the same things. When you sit in a car and you go, This was designed really well, yeah, yeah, you just know it. When yep. you're listening to a narrative that's telling and consistent with, a, with, the, with the truth, with a great story, you just know it, that's right, and then you're influenced by it. It but resonates, look, yeah. Uh, we're gonna say goodbye to chocolate.
0: I was decide. just getting started. What are we doing? No, I know. I
4: just, I was just warming up. in oh, wow. you know Canada.
5: Wow. Racist,
4: huh? I love it. That's so funny. Microaggression going back and forth so bad. A lot of Marxism. Here.
3: <laughs> oh man. Anyway, say Chocolate, <laughs> we really guys. appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah, like, oh.
2: appreciate
0: We're it. We're going to respond. I love you guys. I appreciate what you guys are doing. I'm so, so excited to have you guys have me
3: on. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank really you. We, we appreciate yeah, you, shock. Chocolate. Thanks, brother.
0: Water, brother. Okay. All right. You're
3: left. Okay. Okay. God bless, brother. <laughs> uh, Andrew, Matt, uh, how do you respond to, to what you just heard? Um, I know you guys are <laughs> familiar with Chocolate. Talk about yeah. what he said about influence and cultural return.
2: I mean, it sounds like he was listening to the program. (laughs)
3: <laughs> like, I would think you know, so. We're he on said, the same page.
1: Familiar with chocolate? Did you mean chocolate Knox or just chocolate in general? Because I'm <laughs> very <laughs> familiar with chocolate in general.
2: Yes, but also chalk Knox. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah,
1: we're
3: thankful. Yeah. No. I mean, me.
2: that's why we've partnered with the FLF network, right? With the Fight Laugh, Feast network, because you can see that we have that cosmology that he's talking about. We understand the 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 good good story, the 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 book that. God's given us, Um, and that is the important thing that we talked about. That it's not just bare bare historical facts, but all those historical facts are couched in narrative, and that's what we're here to do. Yes, we're we're news and commentary. We do a bunch of that stuff, but that's why programs like yours, Tim, are so important because it's getting outside of what we're doing at the Liberty Dispatch, which is analyzing news and and events. And it's actually talking about these more important um, foundational uh, root cause issues. So that's really important. And then it's uh, uh, incumbent on us and, and others like us to actually put that worldview into stories. And that's kind of what we're trying to do engender that conversation, analyze the culture. But then on the back end, yes, we do have a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of work to do when it comes to telling this this good story. So th- th- that's kind of my thoughts as Knox as Nock, uh, wrapped up there.
1: I think what we need to be aware of is that when we do the sort of stuff that Knox was talking about or that we were talking about before he came on, was that it is inevitably going to step on toes and upset people. Here's what I mean by that. We can all agree we want to make a car that works. And mm-hmm. we should be about making a car that works, a car that people want to buy, a car that will be of benefit to the society. We can say that about cars. We can say that about buildings. We can say that about phones. The problem is, or well, not the problem, the the issue is we say something like, we, we also want that to be true about marriages. Oh, we want that to be true about schools. We oh, want that to be true about homes, about churches. And oh, that's where we're going to come on the, the, the business end of the cultural Marxist gun, oh, Because we'll say, yeah, cars matter. But you know what we want? We want to build families that work. We want to build marriages that work. Oh, so you know yeah. what that means? That means one man, one woman <laughs> for life. Uh period right yeah we want to build churches that work so you know what that means that means you can't be led by cowardly Mm -hmm. hirelings who will hand over authority of the church to the state that's a church that Mm -hmm. works or we want to build homes that works you know what that means that means that loving correction of children is needed which sometimes is more than just a time out which Mm -hmm. means as a family you need to pray together and worship together so we, I agree, we are all about building things and making things that work, that bless society. Mm-hmm. What we need to be ready for is when we press that into all areas, sometimes those in the freedom movement who have conservative affinity will say, I'm all for that. But then once we start pressing it and say, no, 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 we just didn't mean in terms mm-hmm. of civil government, we yeah. met every way. Every yeah, way it it needs to work. They're gonna hate us for it.
2: We've we've always gotta press wow. press the antithesis in every area of life. And that's what we have to realize is it it's it's not like there's two sides that want things to work equally, right? When we're talking about a well-ordered life, a well-ordered society, we have to understand those who oppose Christ and His worldview. They love death, destruction, chaos. They're 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 Marxists through and through, and they want to see our our society disrupted and dismantled. That's how that Hegelian, uh, you know, as uh, the the dialectic progresses. That's what they're looking for. Constant revolution. They don't believe in a created order. They don't believe in an ordered functioning society and family because they don't have that type of worldview. So that's why as Christians, we need to push the antithesis and, Human beings who are created in God's image, who naturally want to live in a well-ordered society, if we're doing that well, they're going to want to glom on that. They're going to want to say, I don't want to destroy everything, including children's innocence. I don't want to destroy our society that's led to flourishing. That's why we have to continually push this antithesis over and over and over again in every area of life, if we truly want uh, to, to to make headway in the culture. So I'm going to jump I in there, really guys. Point. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
3: I'm going to get back to what Andrew said. Um, that fired me up. But first, I want to <laughs> take a minute to tell you about our friends at Rocklink Investment Partners. The team at Rocklink doesn't invest your money to satisfy a woke ESG goal or fall in line with the World Economic Forum. We just heard Chocolate talk about ESG. They invest in great businesses that will actually protect grow, and grow your wealth the old-fashioned way. So you need to get out of the mainstream money system and you need to give freedom lovers, the freedom lovers at Rocklink, a call. That's Rocklink with a C at the end, Rocklink, L-I-N-C, a call at 905-631-5462. You can also send them an email at info at rocklink.com. That's R-O-C-K-L-I-N-C, info at rocklink.com. Calm, uh, guys. We we need to work with people, as Chocolate said, who, who who appreciate and uphold our values. But man, we need, as Andrew just said, to push out our values into areas that are not popular to receive them. Nobody's going to be against you building. A better car, and, and actually, if you there's a show on, on Netflix by Paul Hollywood. He does a tour. I don't know if you guys have seen it. But he does a tour of European countries, and he drives all of their most well known cars. So he goes to Italy and drives, you know, a little bread wagon and a Lamborghini. He goes to Germany, and he drives. It's a fascinating dichotomy that he he shows where in East Germany when the Berlin Wall was up. The, the cars that German, East Germany was producing were basically little K cars, what, what, what became known as K cars, those little boxy, unreliable you know, East German Soviet um, little tinker toys. And in West Germany, you had BMW developing roadsters and sports cars um, that, that are iconic even to this day. And, and it shows the difference between and how a worldview will actually funnel into your products. And again, nobody's going to be against BMW building a better car. But as Andrew said, you are going to meet the business end of of the killing machine, the left machine, if you dare apply your worldview to the things that are most influential. Okay, Because you can drive a Lamborghini and not vote for Mussolini, but you're going to have a hard time okay you're going to have a hard time and you look at demographic voting uh, and all that you, you see married couples cons- consistently vote more conservative because they have a future to protect okay it it, it is singles and college kids and divorcées and 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 bitter lonely people this is a generality of course who vote progressive okay people who don't who have no vision for history or the future as we see in scripture uh, all they see is the moment OK, and, and that's nihilism defined. And so as Andrew said, you push into family and you say that's actually not going to work. And I, I took a screenshot, guys, that I want to share. Maybe Matt can throw this up in the episode. It's a it's a it's a story about a homosexual couple that is suing the government of New York um, for failure to provide government funded surrogacy. Treatment, and that is, I guess, where you fertilize an egg and a sperm, and, you, and a woman carries the baby and delivers it, and then two gay men will adopt it. And I took this screen grab. It said, quote, we are expected to be okay with not having children. How gay parenthood through surrogacy became a battleground. And I, there's you, you almost can't even begin to analyze this stupidity. We are expected to be okay not having children, say, two gay <laughs> men. And it's like, well, maybe we need to that stop can't and have possibly
2: reproduce yeah, exactly.
3: yeah, right. So you see how stupidity has no future. Uh, we have Gabe Wrench from the Cross Politic and the Fight Life Feast Network. Gabe, uh, it's good to see you there, buddy, and good to see you with Michael. Uh, you've been a yes. dear friend to us. Um, tell us a little bit about how you put the conference together and what you're excited about, and how the theme is being used to disciple people in terms of media and their participation in the world
5: yeah so um this is our fourth conference in three years fight Lab feast conference and we've been able to bring over five thousand people together in three years it's been fantastic it's been amazing the topic of the conference this year is lies propaganda storytelling and the serrated edge and the reason why we started here the reason why we had this topic is because we have lied to the last number two years three years regarding covid i mean you guys are in canada Andrew DiBartolo Bartolo couldn't even make it across the border to come to our conference this year because he got stopped by the uh, 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 the U.S. He couldn't come in because of the U.S. COVID policies right now. Canada had nation policies crossing the border. If the U.S. That's because we're a
3: much freer we're a much freer country here, uh, Gabe. We're, we have we have true liberty up <laughs> here. Don't, no, okay. don't start lying
5: <laughs> again. Don't start,
1: no, okay. had, no, Gabe, Gabe, it's it's, like it's, one it's, second. it's 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 hashtag be more like Trudeau. Yeah, okay. this, is what, I, this is what i've said before this is what i've said before if someone would wake biden from his medically induced coma and sign that piece of paper that's been waiting on his desk for two months everything yep. would be fine he's all he needs is the check mark a check mark and i could have come in but whoever yep. was manipulating his strings went for a coffee break and hasn't
5: yeah. brought him in time hasn't so. come back yep so, so tell us about so the
3: serrated great. edge tell us about it
5: he lies propaganda storytelling and edge so we've been lied to these last two years. Okay. Christians need to learn how to tell better stories. This, this isn't just a theological exercise. We need to do a lot better job connecting our theology to, to the real stories in our lives and in this world. And then propaganda, um, Christians have believed the wrong kind of stories. They believe the wrong kind of propaganda. And so we need to be filled with the scriptures. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to be able to sort through what's true and what's not, what the Bible and how the Bible addresses that. Lastly, serrated edge. Um, Christians have been, uh, they have bold and blunted God's word. God's word is serrated. God's word is sharper than a two-edged sword. And we need to learn how to speak like Christians, nice people, not like public school children, not like people who are just blindly submitting to the government. We need to learn how to speak like Christians, which means our uh, uh, speech needs to be seasoned, to be um, loving, it needs to be truthful, it needs to be full of uh, rebuke, um, serrated, you know, all, all those aspects of what speech is, and what we're focusing on in today is because, because the serrated edge is a tool that God has given us, and Christians take that tool out of their pocket, refuse to unsheathe that tool of serrated edge, and Jesus constantly talked sharp about the Pharisees, religious leaders of his time um the lawyers of his time certainly spoke sharply paul spoke very sharply about about the the jews that were apostatizing in galatians and so we need to learn how to have the right kind of biblical language uh and and, and speak to culture using god's word and not what we think is the kind of the way we should be speaking
2: you
4: know absolutely I, I, I yeah i want to jump i want Oh, Matt, you, you go ahead, Matt. And then I'll no, 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 you
2: you go, Mike, you go. I don't okay, want to stifle well, your thoughts.
4: Gabe and I had talked off camera a little bit, and the point that he just made leads into another point. Uh, we also don't think, you know, and Knox also brought it up about, about thinking long-term and influencing culture. So Christians are, right now, they're, they're thinking about their speech in the context of maybe this very specific moment, having an outcome that doesn't cause me very much discomfort or my listener very much discomfort long term about how the need for the truth the need for rebuke the need for even even love in the sense of correction can have long-term effects you mentioned something off camera they're also not thinking big enough when it comes to media you know i was watching fox news the other day i, I said this uh to tim earlier I, just, just as we were, were talking, I was watching Fox News and It's like they're just doing everything with a bigger budget. Yeah. It's all they're doing. Uh, a bunch of guys trying to look at the stories, analyzing it, giving their own two cents worth. It's a Bigger production team, bigger studio, and more researchers. That's all they have, longer. and they've been around longer. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So we need to think bigger, and I know you were talking about that. So Gabe, why don't you talk about Christians thinking bigger when it comes to media?
5: So oftentimes, media is an amazing tool. It's an amazing discipleship tool. It's an amazing tool for impacting cultures. Christians in the last number of years have abandoned journalism. We've abandoned media. We've abandoned, like Dr. Merkel was speaking, we've abandoned our education institutions, and we've abandoned politics in a lot of ways. Uh, we need to re-engage the gospel in all the tools and all the areas of lives that God has called us to, and media is a fantastic tool for that. But the problem is, what Christians have come to learn, or come to, uh, the, the way they get involved in media is they like to fund a, you know, a three million dollar Kirk Cameron movie, and all the profits go to Sony. And that, that funding, you know, that movie lasts for maybe three months, six months, a year. There, you know, there's some sort of impact there, um, but it's very minimal, very short term we're building the fight laugh feast network we're working with you guys in canada and and, and the the long-term goal is to build out a full television network that has uh, a a significant long-term impact on discipleship so um not just news not just cultural commentary we want to do cooking shows we want to do hunting shows we want to do sports center we want to do i'll do the cooking show exactly i mean that cooking our, our world. That's, I'll well, do Sports do Center. Do okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, and, the, and the reason is, is because the long-term impact of putting on a network over thirty years, and we've seen it from Fox, we've seen it from CNN, we've seen it from all these, and after 30 years, you know, Peter Carlson's getting 4 million people to tune in on night. And they have no clue what discipleship is, and yet they're having a huge impact on how Christians think. We're just at the Ark Encounter on our way down to Knoxville. Which is next to us, you can kind of see the booth next to us is the Ark Encounter, and one of the things that um, impressed me so much uh, and and struck me was how big they're thinking and how small Christians have been thinking about impacting culture. The Ark Encounter is built out in kind of rural Kentucky. It's 45 minutes from the nearest airport. It's kind of rural Kentucky. They get 1.5 million visitors a year at the Ark Encounter. It's it's. it's 30% of those visitors, about 300,000 are non-Christians. And so I, when I was talking to Ken Ham, I asked him the question, um, uh, why don't you, I pulled the Judas question. Why aren't you using that money to feed the poor? And Ken responded, <laughs> he said, well, what kind of impact is your church having? How many non-Christians do your church have come to your church every year? 20, 50, zero, uh, you know. He's, he has 300,000 non-Christians come through his, through rural Kentucky.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh,
4: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, where we've been, that's where we've been hiding out for the last little while. Uh, but you can comment on it. It's also just not everybody's job is to feed the poor. The, 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 the church has taken on this social gospel habit of you, you look good to the culture if you take care of the it's an evangelism strategy it's actually a bait not only feeding the poor all for the sake of feeding the poor there's very few ministries that are Judith doing wasn't that the poor. exactly you know. but but there of course <laughs> there are legitimate christians like yep. bridge the gap in yep. cincinnati for example is literally doing it while they church plant um, but the thing is that it's, it's actually this evangelism strategy to, and it and it's broadly to be nice and palatable yep. and you know what oh, but, the just don't worry about the broader picture of evangelism. They just go do that. Yeah. And let Ken Ham and those of us who want to get into media and those of us who want to have cultural impact broadly think really big about it and get invested in what we're doing here. Uh, so, so Gabe, it's been great. I know you are, like, Gabe's running the event. I keep asking him to go sit down and have a drink, and he keeps ghosting me because he's running the whole show.
1: <laughs> so we're going to let you go. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, guys. God. Godspeed, 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 Gabe. You guys. We Bless appreciate you, brother.
3: it, brother. Okay.
1: So, Guys, Mike I want to point. Oh, sorry, Actually, ahead, quick point. If I can jump in, yep. um, that mentioning with Gabe, the idea of the focus of Christians in the church, and Gabe had talked about Christians disengaging from the culture and from the media, and also from the arts, from the from the academy, from from the political sphere. Christians disengage, and I think those two things: the the Christian disengagement, and then Mike speaking about the misunderstanding of the Christian duty. Are the same thing, or they they're, they're they're fruit from the same tree, and and that is to say, the misunderstanding of not just the role of the Christian and of the church, but this idea of the tears that we have created, that being real spiritual, being real obedient means you become a pastor or a missionary or a fundraising evangelist, right? That you have your hierarchy of Christians. You have all the regular Christians going to work is just kind of going to work. You pay the bills and all the other hobbies are just your hobbies, whatever. But the super Christians, those are the ones who are the preachers. Those are the ones who are the missionaries, the evangelists. And then we create this, this dichotomy. We create this tier system. And then we build into that same tier system that not only is it more spiritual to be explicitly doing the work of ministry in the church. We then also say to the other Christians, that any other activities that you would be doing, any other engagement, it's, it's really just pull back from it. You have nothing to do with it. It's un- unimportant. And I mean, how many times have we heard this in the last two and a half years? Oh, no, just preach the gospel. Just preach the gospel. And, or how many times have we heard this? Well, you know, the church isn't the church is about more than just the physical gathering. So the government isn't saying we can't preach the gospel. They're just saying we can't meet together as a church (laughs) as if to say that the only thing that the the church does is preach the gospel. And so Mm -hmm. part of where, where conservatism has utterly failed. And by conservatism, I I mean by that Christians, because you cannot have a Christ less conservatism is they have believed that the only role and function of the church and the believer is inside the four walls of the church. And that is the most spiritual, the most effective. Now I'm not one to disparage the local church and its ministry, Mm -hmm. But I'm one to say that if all we relegate Christian duty to is getting together once a week to sing, and if the real spiritual Christians are the ones who preach and teach and are missionaries, and everything else, let the devil have it, first of all, is unbiblical. Second of all, is completely ahistorical, because Mm -hmm. Christians outside of the last 150 years have never thought this way. We've just benefited from all of their work. So the Christians Mm -hmm. that think the way that we're pushing – have Mm -hmm. built cultures. They're the reasons why we have good music, good medicine, good technology, good science, good schools, Mm. even good political structure. And so the same people today who are trying to have a kind of Christian conservatism that's really only about the church. If Mm -hmm. we tasked those people with building Canada and North America, we would have nothing. It would be Mm -hmm. utter shambles. Absolutely. They stand in direct contradiction to the people they're criticizing who built the system that allows them to now look back at it and criticize it, it's
2: Mm -hmm. complete madness. Absolutely, Andrew, and I just want to jump on there real quick. It's uniquely unreformed, right? The Reformation gave us a doctrine of vocation that rejected the Roman Catholic belief that somehow the the priestly duties or the ecclesiastical duties were of a higher order than being a stay-at-home mom, building a house, changing a diaper, or being a miller, or a, you know, all of these things, reformationally speaking, are wrapped up in this doctrine of vocation that God's kingdom is bigger than just the church, and he sent his people out into the world to disciple the world, and to also influence the world in the spheres that he's called them to. So I really think we need to build, again, a proper understanding of Christian vocation. Because what you're saying is Roman Catholic to the core, and that is absolutely unreformed, and that's the tradition that we're coming from. So I'm
3: going to tie together what you two just said with what Gabe mentioned and you guys both well you matt and mike got excited about a cooking show and sports center and i I, that's not insignificant when you talk about he's saying as a christian network we want to start a cooking show you talk to most christians um about starting a cooking show or a hunting show and they might kind of grin and say well that sounds fun but I, i you know i don't really see the kingdom value in that i don't really see the cultural value it just might be a hobby right but actually, when you look at things that you thought were neutral, like a cooking show or like Sports Center, when you see the last two years, Black Lives Matter, and you see uh, the, uh, all the cultural topics, transgender uh, transformation, and all these things, you see how Sports Center, you realize, is not a neutral ground. Okay. And so you see Black Lives Matter hashtags, or you see people taking a knee on the middle of the sports field, or you see the Twitter accounts of your favorite sports celebrities tweeting out all of the political jargon that you're seeing from what you thought were like political figures. And so you recognize that even these spheres need to be occupied by people who think biblically, Christianly, conservatively, so that they don't cave into the social pressures of the narrative. As I said in my monologue, we are awash in the narrative. You can't get away from it. Your favorite sports team goes Rainbow Jihad during June because they have to pay their political homage to the narrative lest they be overwhelmed and sunk by the business end of the Jihad machine. Um, and so th- when Gabe is saying they want to start shows, variety shows, this is a critical area for conservatives to move into because you, you create role models that way for people. You create examples in the culture of good, conservative, strong-rooted uh, people who are not caving into the, the, the culturally forced narrative that we're seeing peddled by leftist media. And it's across the spectrum. We're talking about Netflix. We're talking about SportsCenter. We're talking about um, all the major hobby shows, for the most part, are infiltrated or are being pressured by leftism. And so we we do totally agree with with creating that kind of cultural presence everywhere. Um, and so and that's and really r- exciting.
2: And real quick, like we know that intuitively, Tim, right? We get it. We get it giddy when Jacob Slavin seems to be like a good, like the defender from Carolina Hurricanes seems to actually be a Christian, or Tim Tebow seems to actually be a Christian, or Kanye West comes out and says that he's a Christian, right? right? We. As Christians, we know it because we try and glom onto these people, whether they're Christian or not really. And we try and like, we're like, yes, one for the Gipper, but then we don't want to go and create uh, platforms where uh, creating more and platforming more of these people would just be inevitable, right? We're kind of content with
3: like, we're we're content with like a token Christian, like just, oh, we got our guy. We got our guy. (laughs) Instead of saying, let's own the whole studio. Let's own the whole, you know, production company and and like maybe one or two atheists will work there or people who are too afraid to, you know, come out as raging leftists. But maybe they'll feel the political or the cultural pressure in the other way, in such Mm -hmm. a way that's actually a blessing to people. Mike, go ahead. I wanted to jump in on that because the reason why we cling to them, as Matt
4: said, is that we actually really want it. So. So, Tim, when you're saying, you know, we're content, I don't think we are content. It's just the logical biblical disconnect to what we need to do to achieve what we want and what we need, the the way that we achieve that is consistent, honest, not backing down the production of thoroughly Christian media content. And so... Christians desperately want it, but they don't know they want it. And, and I know what you mean to when you say they don't want it. They they're so philosophically and biblically ignorant that they that they, they they would say things on Twitter like the way that you read where it's like, I, I just want Christians to love Jesus. Yeah, but I don't want them to love Jesus in any specific context. But then that's the same person that goes and says, yay, Tebow gave his testimony and yay, you know, that person didn't kneel, uh, didn't kneel when everyone else kneeled, uh, you know. Um, we need, we need to teach them. We need to disciple them. The way that you get uh, thoroughly celebratory Christian content is by standing firm and being unapologetic. That's why I appreciate our sponsors so much. They're not saying, hey, guys, kowtow. They're not saying, guys, hey, pull it back. They're saying we're going to attach ourselves to uh, these consistent biblical... Uh, analysts, these consistent biblical writers, uh, these these consistent biblical advocators. Hey guys, just really quick, I know this is totally off topic, but my wife just handed me a story from True North. I want to bring it to you. Uh, uh, this might have something to do with you, Andrew, in the sense of uh, uh, just being right near you. But just, just a heads up in Canada, uh, I'm currently visiting uh, Kentucky right now. Uh, Peterborough Public Health just advises no indoor gatherings ahead of Thanksgiving. Reading from True North, um, Cosman D'Souza uh, reports, Peterborough, Ontario, is telling people to stay masked and avoid indoor social gatherings this Thanksgiving, citing a very high public health-issued an advisory awarding Wednesday, upgrading its COVID-19 risk index. So there you go. Canada's still not out of that. <laughs>
1: And my microphones so i you said that's unrelated because uh i wanted to quickly circle back to something you said tim um when you talked about you mentioned the cooking show and then the christian grins oh that's kind of a nice idea and then just kind of shakes it off and i want to i, I want to make the biblical case for the cooking show but i want to do it as a recipe pun intended for how we're supposed to approach this idea of the cooking show, the sports show, the hunting show, and the Christian thinking behind it. Because you said, Tim, Christians should be involved in these media. And I would say Christians must be or need to be, and I would even use a stronger language. I would say, as with politics, not every individual Christian, but Christians, the church must be. It is required that they are to be. And so for the cooking show, why? Why, Andrew? What's the case for the cooking show? Here's the case. Who designed the human tongue? Who designed the human tongue to taste the way that it does? The different parts of the tongue taste different things. Who designed that? Who designed all the food? Who designed the animals? Who designed the spices? Who designed the plants? Who put this together? Who has a better knowledge than any human being as to how things taste and what is appealing to the human tongue or to the senses? or that is, that is appealing even in terms of the texture of it. Who made all this? So who is best situated not only to be concerned with what tastes good and what's beneficial for humans, but also who wants to do that to the glory of the one who designed it? So Christians, I think, are in the best position to be doing cooking shows because we're the ones who can consistently say – The reason why this tastes good and the reason why these work together and the reason why humans like it is because God has put all those pieces in place. And that's the same thing. That's the same thing with sports. That's the same thing with science. That's why all of the scientists historically, all the ones pushing the um, the envelope in terms of scientific and technological advancement, were Christians who believed that the ordered world could be repeated because God had ordered it such. So I don't think it's just a nice idea for Christians to do cooking shows. The idea of taking something that is as fundamental as enjoying a meal, which, by the way, is very spiritual in and of itself. I know this because you don't just have breakfast with anyone. Usually breakfast is something you should... You don't just go, hey, I have breakfast as a stranger. Meals are intimate. Meals are personal. They're spiritual. The Christian is the one who understands who understands the way the works and should be the person saying let me help you enjoy the food that God has made so that it's pleasing to the senses that God has designed for the glory of God that is the that is Christ. Christian duty to do yeah. that
3: appreciate that Andrew and it, it's so true who is best situated to do the work um, so we need to step into those roles um, and guys I'm going to give you one last uh, uh, go-around for your for your closing remarks uh, but first I do want to talk about red balloon uh, you might think that woke politics have and medical tyranny have basically destroyed the Canadian workplace but did you know that some companies are actually standing up and saying no we found that in just one year over 2,000 companies, have pledged to honor free speech and medical privacy at redballoon.work. And Red Balloon is actually coming to Canada. Business owners, I'm talking to you, if you want to find top-tier values-aligned talent or want to access one-of-a-kind courses and guides that will help you build an uncancelable, pro-freedom, conservative workplace. Sign up today at redballoon.org slash LCC. That's for Liberty Coalition Canada, redballoon.org slash LCC. Again, that's redballoon.org slash LCC. Job seekers, this is for you too. If you are tired of skin deep promotions and vaccine checkpoints, if you want to find a courageous company that shares and protects your values, there are new jobs waiting for you at redballoon.org slash LCC. Go check it out. Work for somebody who is aligned with you. Um, again, this is part of thinking bigger as conservatives, that we're, we're not just standing around griping about the leftist drift, but we are pushing against it. We are pushing, as Matt said, the antithesis. We're going to work for people who are going to stand with us on, on these matters. And so, um, again, th- these are small days. These are early days, I think, in this movement. Okay, we are starting small, but I have to say, Liberty Coalition grew faster than anything I could have imagined. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've got over 300,000, uh, actually, it's probably closer to a half million views across all our platforms in just two years, less than t- two years. Okay, and so there are people who are hungry for what we're doing. So don't give up on it. Go work for people, share the content, share the shows, um, work with people who love what you do and what you stand for Um, and there is a victory over the hill and if you are doing it in the strength that God provides and in the wisdom that he supplies in his word uh, there is literally no stopping this movement. Mike looks like he's getting a a microphone transplant (laughs) at the very end of the show. Uh, He's struggling there. Give us your final thoughts Matt as we wrap this well, show on media. Well, I don't
2: have much to say uh, by way of conclusion. I think we've said a lot of uh, really sure. good stuff throughout the broadcast. Uh, I will just correct you. We have way more views than you think we have. Yeah, uh, I had right. to there I had to go. I had to put that together for for the, the the advertising package and I was just uh you know um, astonished by like like you said we have grown by leaps and bounds and you said it's a day of small beginnings. And what does the scripture say about the day of small, small beginnings? We ought not to despise it, right? We ought not yep. to despise days of small beginnings because guess what? You all got to start somewhere. You all got to yeah. begin somewhere. And we've yep. been, as Christians, dormant. We've been hibernating for so long. It We got to come back online and... Mm. Um, and, and begin this movement right now. So, so that it can bear fruits generations and generations down the line. Right. Mm. Um, we In our generation, we're probably not going to see the Tucker Carlson's of Canada come out. But if we continue to push the antithesis to continue to build this media arm with your help, our dear listeners, then we can grow and build something for the future that uh, our enemies will hate and despise. Right. When when they're calling us all sorts of names, we have to realize we're over. the target target. and 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 that's what we've seen we've already seen hit pieces about um right-wing news media we've already seen hit pieces from the marxist press progress about mike and what we're doing here at the liberty coalition that's beautiful that's right where we want to be we want the enemies of god and his word and his creator order to be scattering so that's all i have to say Mm. for today
3: Great work, Matt. Appreciate that. Mike, what are your thoughts as you wrap up and you're going into the conference throughout the weekend? Um, just uh, lead us out there. Right, well, I just want to,
4: uh, I want to talk about small beginnings. So I have a fantastic background. You guys make this show so much fun and so good. Matt produces things so well. And I'm laughing my face off because my mic just, my mic stand just completely fell apart. Because it was built by a laptop, Marxist. My laptop is sitting on a turned-over garbage can on top <laughs> of a box, on top of a book, and it looks fantastic. It's all set up, and one little screw just gave, and the whole thing just fell apart. So Small Beginnings is right in the sense that we have, through... Through, you know, taking a stand on some important issues, then deciding to talk about these things openly, then by God's grace, bringing us guys like you on the team.
3: Oh, we lost Mike. He's, oh, he's Mike, lost your Mike audio...
2: He's probably holding the mic and knocked out the input or something.
4: Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly <laughs> it. Am I back? Yes,
2: You're yes. Back.
4: Finish that I'm holding my mic there, and right. my mic stand because my mic stand is just a, like
1: a. Stop a, a, a talking with your hands when you hold a microphone. You can't hey, talk you know with what? your hands hey, when you, you know
4: hold a microphone. Hey, hey, you know what? You're done. Fine, done.
2: People are, done. are getting a real glimpse of, of what it looks like behind the scenes. And, anyways,
4: all that to say, <laughs> um. I'm so excited, Uh, you know, you guys have, well, you've been on the show, and I've been bringing people on, you know, chocolate Knox brought up, starting a sitcom, I've been talking about doing sitcoms for years, Uh, I know, I uh, saw your eye gleam there, I know, you just, so number one, D-Bart went on a whole rant about why we thought a cooking show wasn't serious, I I actually want to do the cooking show, it could be like Michael and Andrew battle in the kitchen, it would be the new Iron Chef, it would be unbelievable, it would be great, (laughs) <laughs> and he thinks he'd destroy me. Like He's not even laughing. He's like, I would take you. I would kill you. Stone
1: cold. Oh, dude, he's, yeah.
2: he's, he's got all the Italian recipes that are going to... It's, gonna, it's like, a battle. A no, it's a it's battle like generation. when my nine-year-old thinks that he can out-wrestle me. He's uh, like, oh, dad, okay. Okay. let's battle. Okay.
3: Okay. Yeah, let's, I, let's okay. battle. Tune in. He's Tune in for the Liberty Coalition cooking he's show. He's never
4: even <laughs> eaten my food. Okay, right, my point is this. It's exciting to be a part of this. It's exciting to honestly... And, and, and be good about it, be bright about it. Um, so that being said, I just, you know, I know we're going to. Andrew. funds Need to raise $300,000 before the end of this year. And our listeners, you know, you've been faithful and we've been talking about sponsorship. We're trying to do our best to bring on companies to help subsidize uh, you know, just not being a total donation uh, organization. We're doing our best to, uh, to to bring those people on, but we, we really need people to go after support for our legal cases. And we really need uh, our people to go after support for this media team right here. And so thank you uh, everybody for listening. And uh, you know, guys, thank you for letting me do this live show even though it fell apart uh, down here, uh, all my fault. <laughs> <laughs> no that was
3: that was a lot of fun and on and on, on, as we wrap up here um mike thanks for honestly it's a busy time being at a conference and for you to carve out space to do this we really appreciate it and for getting chocolate and gabe uh was really cool to introduce them to our listeners if they even heard them um but here's something else you can do and this is why our sponsors are great if you go and buy resistance coffee if you go open an account with rocklink if you go uh traffic on red balloon's Site, they are going to see the return on their investment in this show. So go support our sponsors. Go buy their coffee. All right, um, trash the other stuff, and that's going to have return as well. So make put it where it make, belongs. That's right. Make make this a profitable enter- enterprise. Okay, it, it it does take money to run and win a culture war. Okay, and so that's what we're doing. And we're gonna be here for you. Uh, and we know that you're here for us. So it's just been and, a great and ultimately uh, great it is an
2: investment. Ultimately it is an investment, Tim, because as Chalk talks about, not everything that we see as um as profit is profit in in the, in the medium dollars. of exchange. Yeah. yeah, it's that's not that's the not the only profit you can see. You can see societal and and media like profit in so many different ways. Um, where we can build these these arms, so then we can advocate for people like Barry Newfeld, who we just talked about, a, a long term school board trustee from BC, who's being run under the coals or over the coals and under the bus by a powerful union lobby. You know, we're defending him. We're we're bringing Christians behind him to support him. That's what we're doing here. And those are the mm. things that maybe that don't have a monetary profit, but it does profit us in the culture. So that's yeah. where we have to invest those talents for for sure. Yeah. Andrew. And so
3: yeah. <laughs> Closing thoughts, Andrew.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so the, this for Christian engagement in media, the case for the conservative media that we're trying to grow, we're trying to be a part of growing a movement in Canada really is what we've seen in the last two and a half years. So the media that that, that we have right now, the kind of cultural media machine that exists in Canada has been rather devastating. And we want to offer the alternative. I want to read a, a quick quote from Rod Dreher's book, Live Not By Lives, because what he he describes in this book is exactly what has been accomplished by the existing legacy media enterprise as we know it. And it's why we need to be a voice in the culture. This is what he writes. Totalitarian domination in the non-totalitarian world is the fact that loneliness, once a borderline experience, usually suffered in marginal social conditions like old age, has become an everyday experience of the ever-growing masses in our country. People attend fewer club meetings, have fewer dinner parties, eat dinner together as a family less, and are much less connected to their neighbors. They are disconnected from political parties and more skeptical of institutions. They spend more time alone watching television or cocooning on the internet. The result is that the ordinary people feel more anxious, isolated, and vulnerable. This has been the goal of the legacy media last two years is to make people feel this way by ginning up fear and worry and anxiety and by making people feel that, Oh, you're just a part of a fringe minority with unacceptable views. And so we need to combat that and say, no, no, no. We don't want you to be isolated alone, anxious, stuck in your room, cocooning on the internet, consuming the garbage that is legacy media. We want to feed your minds and your souls with truth with media that objectively covers what's going on in the world and analysis that accurately makes sense of it with a standard that is God's word, which is the only true standard. And so that's the case for the Christian media engagement. And that's the case for the conservative cultural movement is we don't want to see that. We want to see the opposite of that. Growing strong families, churches, and cultures with people that are actually pressing in and making a difference in the world you will not have that if we don't build this. That's not going to happen in our country.
3: Yep. So, guys, uh, it's been a great show. Um, really appreciate this. There's going to be lots more to come um, on this. Uh, we're we're actually working on building a studio so we can do Mike's show and Liberty Lounge in a really professional environment, like much like Di Bartolo has in his background and Halleck. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna be working on building those things. And I wanted to share a quote from. Uh, C.S. Lewis, I'm glad you finished with a quote, Andrew. Uh, C.S. Lewis writes, friendship is unnecessary, much like philosophy, like art, like the universe itself. It has no survival value. Rather, it is one of those things which give value to survival. So as we fight the culture war, as we feel overwhelmed by the, 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 the torrent of, of leftism, and as we push back, and as we sort of protect our children from uh, being spoiled and, and, and um, poisoned by what is outside, we have to remember to build culture ourselves. We have to remember to make beautiful art. We have to remember to sing, play our guitars, uh, make We have to show. remember
2: to fight, laugh,
3: feast. That's right. <laughs> because that's what makes survival beautiful and good and that's what we're after and so uh in response to the peterborough health thing we want to officially recommend that people get together with their family over thanksgiving that's the our show's official recommendation i have no medical data to support that it's just the right thing to do um guys for liberty lounge michael teason matthew Halleck, andrew dibartolo thanks for your time godspeed you all and we'll catch you next time on the liberty lounge with tim Tyson.